You are Locked On Vols, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Vols, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today as the weekend did not go how Tennessee's men's basketball team hoped. Tennessee fell on the road against Auburn on Saturday. Auburn won 84-80. to We'll get into what happened in the game, some of the mistakes that Tennessee made, especially on the offensive end. You'll hear from Rick Barnes talking about that coming up in the first segment. Bruce Pearl with something he noticed in the game on Saturday with the way that Tennessee was playing. Is that a factor as Tennessee now enters the postseason? Tennessee is the three seed in the SEC tournament with LSU winning Saturday night and Kentucky beating Florida. Tennessee loses the tiebreaker against Kentucky because of a record against Auburn, actually. That ends up being the tiebreaker difference with Tennessee uh, losing on Saturday. Tennessee misses out on an SEC championship. It would have been a shared title with LSU, and I'll get to that coming up as well. But uh, Tennessee now focuses on the postseason, an SEC tournament coming up. Tennessee will play on Friday night against Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, or Texas A&M, I would say Mississippi State is most likely going to be Tennessee's opponent Friday night, but that has to be settled out on Wednesday and Thursday. So Tennessee gets ready for its game coming up Friday. It has several days to get ready. That means more time for rest, more time to work on what it needs to work on after how Tennessee's played over the last few weeks and what happened on Saturday. We'll get to all of that in segment number one. In segment number two, I'll switch to football. Tennessee was back on the practice field on Saturday. You'll hear from quarterback Jarrett Garantano. He had an answer to his health status during the 2018 season. How beaten up was he? He doesn't give all the details, but there is an answer that I think is pretty telling in how Garantano played in 2018. And in the final segment, I'll run through a number of items, some other Tennessee sports, the LSU situation, which is Really kind of interesting and and could just end up being a really bad look for the league. I'll get to that in the final segment of today's show. Locked on Vols, your team every day, five days a week, available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, the third-party apps, anywhere you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car, if you tell your smartphone to play podcast, Locked on V-O-L-S, it'll come right up for you. It's Locked on Vols, your team every day. So Tennessee's loss to Auburn on Saturday was no doubt disappointing. Tennessee missed out on an SEC championship by losing the game. It would have been a shared title. It would have been back-to-back seasons with Tennessee sharing the SEC championship, but still a championship. You're still uh, counting that one in the history of Tennessee basketball, and it does not affect Tennessee's ability to reach its goals in the postseason, meaning trying to win the SEC tournament for the first time in 40 years. Tennessee is the favorite to win the SEC tournament. So that's still on the table for the Vols, even though they're the number three seed. I don't think that makes much of a difference. Tennessee will have a game against Kentucky most likely on Saturday and then could face LSU. Could be another team. Let's see if LSU can keep this thing going. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU is not there on Sunday in the SEC tournament championship game. And if Tennessee beats Kentucky on Saturday, especially if Tennessee wins out in the SEC tournament, then Tennessee still has a chance at a one seed. Right now, the Vols would be projected as a two seed, which I think is fair considering how the last few weeks have gone. Remember, Tennessee's three losses in SEC play were all on the road, and there are some concerning parts of those games, which Rick Barnes is going to talk about in a moment, 
But overall this season, Tennessee is 27-4. and Tennessee is 15-3 and in the SEC. Tennessee might win the SEC tournament, and the Vols are a top-10 team right now. So uh, the loss to Auburn is disappointing, cost you championship. And there's some things to work on coming out of the game. Rig Barnes on that here in just a moment. But all is not lost, not even close for Tennessee. There's some things that need to be corrected. Now, to that, Rick Barnes talked after the game about the way Tennessee played and some of the mistakes that the Vols made. Listen to what Rick Barnes said Saturday after the loss at Auburn. I thought we took too many threes. Uh, you know, uh, and, and again, I, I don't mind this. I think we can shoot the ball when we take good threes. I think uh, Lamonte's pressing. I thought he took three, probably three threes that he shouldn't have taken. And then after you do that, you're trying to get, get another one. But uh, we, we should have moved the ball, flowed better, and uh, – Again, it gets down to just being tough enough to keep grinding it when, when, when you need to do that. And But Auburn's a good basketball team. I mean, uh, this league's terrific. I mean, a year ago, think about it, you think we win the league with five losses, and this year we only have three. And But uh, the fact that these guys, again, uh, we've got to learn from this because we're on, some of the mistakes we made today we can't make. I mean, not, at this time of year, you, you, you can't make those mistakes. Because as you find out, they can cost you games. Tennessee did take too many threes, especially the way that the Vols were shooting and hitting shots from two-point range. Tennessee was 9 of 28 from behind the three-point line, and Rick Barnes mentioned Lamonte Turner there. He was 1 of 8 from three. Lamonte and Jordan Bone were combined 3 of 16 from behind the three-point line. That is the kind of shooting performance that will cost you games in March, when you're going up against quality teams, especially if the other side, they can't hit threes. Auburn hit 38% of its three-point attempts. Tennessee hit 32%. It's not a huge difference, but in made three-pointers, Auburn made four more. That's 12 points that you're trying to make up somewhere on the court. And Tennessee, in the end, was not able to get that done. Grant Williams led Tennessee with 25 points and nine rebounds. That should be enough. It wasn't in this case. Jordan Bone had 17 points for Tennessee. Admiral Schofield had 13 points. He was 3 of 4 behind the three-point line. He was 3 of 3 before his first miss. And it was a a big shot. He could have tied the game there. Maybe should have gone to the basket. But uh, Jordan Bowden off the bench with 16 points. You really don't want to waste that kind of performance when you get 16 points from Bowden off the bench. 16 points, 6 rebounds. But Auburn deserves credit as well. It took a lot of threes. And it in the first half, that's really what it was relying on. Bryce Brown was 4 of 9 behind the three-point line. They had six different players hit threes on Saturday. And Bruce Pearl, after the game, talked about something that has been discussed here over the last few weeks with Tennessee's basketball team. Listen to what Bruce said, talking about Tennessee and something he noticed with what the Vols were doing against the Tigers. They played six guys, very heavy minutes. And we had just a little bit more balance with... with um, you know, eight guys in double-digit minutes and a touch more balance, which I think helped. Bruce Pearl noticed that Tennessee does not have a very deep rotation. Fulkerson, Johnson, and Derek Walker all came off the bench and played, but Fulkerson only played seven minutes. Jalen Johnson and Derek Walker, four minutes apiece. Eve Pons did not play on Saturday. Tennessee is relying on its big six to play a lot of minutes. And according to Bruce Pearl, that gave Auburn an advantage. At least he thought that it could give Auburn an advantage and look at the result at the end of the game, is that something that could affect Tennessee at tournament time? In the SEC tournament, to win it, you have to play three games in three days. In the NCAA tournament, you're playing two games in three days. 
each weekend, which is a little more manageable, I would say. But that is something that we've talked about over the last few weeks. I think the media and Tennessee fans, and Rick Barnes has been asked about it, are Tennessee players playing too many minutes among the top six guys? I don't know if the answer is yes, but Bruce Pearl in this game on Saturday thought that it was a factor. I thought it was worth bringing up here. One other item to bring up before this segment ends, there was the missed call by the officials. To me, it looks like it should have been no basket, but the three that was counted by Jared Harper it was tipped. Uh, that is absolutely the indication from replay. Now, remember, the basket interference is not reviewable. That's something that needs to be looked at, I think, in the offseason. Two big games in SEC play, Kentucky-LSU at the end. That was even more impactful because that's the ball game right there. But this one, with uh, just under three minutes to go, is also a big deal. The three that should have at least been a two, so an extra point was given there and probably should have been waved off, that had some kind of impact in the game. Now, in a 40-minute game, I would say it's not as big of a deal as some might make it out to be, but it's still absolutely some kind of factor because that three affects the way that Tennessee and Auburn play from there, and it just creates unnecessary confusion. Rick Barnes was asked about it after the game. He didn't have a lot to say, but I wanted you to hear what Tennessee's head coach had to say about the Basket that counted as a three that appeared to be tipped. There was probably basket interference. Here's Tennessee's head coach. I thought it got tipped. It should have been a two-point play. I mean, that's what everybody's told me since as I've walked here. But, you know, that's here or there. And then a big play was we made a great defensive play, and Grant made a great block and fell right in their hands, and he hit a three. That was a big play. But that's happens. That's part of the flow of the game. But uh, still, I just know that we we, we should be – Again, I look at the turnovers. That, that really bothers me as much as anything. You, you didn't see enough of that play to see the Robin basket interference on a two, on the two? Uh, I couldn't. I, I don't even know. I'm just saying that when it came down the hallway, somebody told me that the, the ball with the TV cameras, whoever was doing said that the ball was tipped. That's, I don't know. It, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know. So Rick Barnes didn't have a lot to say there. It's neither here nor there, and he pointed to the turnovers. I hadn't brought that up yet, but Tennessee with 13 turnovers, Auburn only had five. That'll get you beat as well. Those are things that Tennessee is working on getting corrected, not officiating, I would say. It is unfortunate that we've had so many games this season, especially the last few weeks where officiating has popped up in the conversation. That's the reality of it, though. Tennessee really could have won that game if it did a few things differently on Saturday. It knows that. It'll see that on film, and it'll focus on that heading into the SEC tournament a little bit later this week. You'll hear more from Rick Barnes on Tuesday's show. He will meet with the media on Monday afternoon as he has done through SEC play, and he'll talk about what he saw on Saturday and what Tennessee needs to get done heading into the SEC tournament. You'll hear that on Tuesday's show. Locked on Vols. Coming up next, I'll switch to Tennessee football. Jared Garantano talks about working in the new offense with Jim Chaney and more control perhaps coming for Tennessee's quarterback, plus a health update on Garantano from this past 2018 season. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols, your team every day. If you have time to rate and review the show, please do so there on iTunes. It's a big help. Thanks to everybody who has left a rating and review. Just takes a moment on uh, iTunes. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. Available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, those third-party apps, as well as in your car. If you uh, get in your car and tell your smartphone to play podcast, Locked on V-O-L-S. It'll come right up for you on your smartphone device. It's Locked on Vols, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Tennessee has a couple of spring practices under its belt. It opened up spring practice on Thursday and then was again in action on Saturday afternoon. And on Friday, some Tennessee players met with the media, including Jared Garantano. Jared Garantano talked about what it's been like getting to understand the offense under new offensive coordinator Jim Chaney. Remember, it's the fourth OC for Garantano in the last four years. Garantano talked about learning the offense, but also what he has worked on to improve, working on his mechanics, doing things better on the field. Listen to what Garantano said on Friday when he met with the media. I think that I tried to even get it quicker as the offseason went. I think that I've been focusing on my release, on my footwork. I think that even this offense coming in, there's a lot of answers. There's a lot of hot throws. I get to control the protection. So I'm very excited for that. And it's just me just being a master of the offense now. What was your reaction when you first heard that it was it was going to be Coach Chaney that he was the hire? I was very excited. I know as a recruit that I definitely saw different things that he did and was uh, able to help out the younger quarterbacks. And I think that just being able to have him run the show, I think he's been able to do it many different ways. And I think that he's going to find a way for us to do it. And I think it's going to be effective. Jared Garantano talking about the offense under Jim Chaney. And interesting that there might be more control for Garantano on the field. It's early. Let's see. And really, I don't know that we're going to see until Tennessee goes out there and plays a football game to open up the 2019 season. But according to Garantano, he'll have more control and specifically more control on protections. And I know that a lot of people thought during the 2018 season that Garantano versus Christ led to a difference in how the offensive line performed, and maybe overall that was the case. But David Ubbin of The Athletic noted on Friday uh, a piece that he had written previously where he went back and looked at the hit rate with Garantano on the field versus Keller Christ, and it's pretty much the same. So according to the numbers, when Garantano was in there or Christ was in at quarterback, each quarterback got hit about the same amount of times meaning the offensive line had its struggles with each quarterback on the field. It is Garantano now. That is a difference from a year ago, even a difference from fall camp. When we expected that Garantano was going to be the starter, he was the favorite to be the guy through August, but it was never said that he was the quarterback. He is the quarterback now. There is no question. The battle is for number two between J.T. Shrout and Brian Maurer. Now, another thing uh, Jared Garantano was asked about was his health in 2018 because it's been reported that he dealt with multiple injuries, both knees being banged up, as well as the head injury that he suffered there late in the season. I don't know that he should have been playing in that Vanderbilt game. If it were my decision, he probably wouldn't have been out there in that final game of the season. He did not go into specific details on the injuries he dealt with during the season, but he was asked what percentage was he playing at in November, and he said it would be pretty low. And that's, again, why I would say probably shouldn't have been out there against Vanderbilt. He probably shouldn't have returned in the game when he did against Missouri either. But that did occur, and you saw the results. I would just say keep that in mind. It, it doesn't explain everything from this past season. At times, Garantano was really good. At times, he struggled. 
Most of the time, he was probably somewhere in between. I thought he was a middle-of-the-pack quarterback in the SEC. Tennessee will hope he can take a step to be an even better player in 2019. But I mentioned Friday, I think, on the show, I don't think Garantano is on the list of concerns for Tennessee. Quarterback is important. Who would argue otherwise? But I don't think that's very high on the list of concerns for Tennessee with the steps he took from his freshman to his sophomore season. If he can make that kind of jump from his sophomore to a junior season, well, then Garantano should be just fine. Another guy who will help Jarrett Garantano is wide receiver Juwan Jennings. I think him coming back for his senior year is a pretty big deal for Tennessee in this offense. It helps solidify a group of receivers that I think can be pretty good with Jennings, Callaway, Josh Palmer, newcomer Ramel Keaton. Let's see what others can do to, to help out the offense. I would still say try to get Jordan Murphy involved somehow in the offense as well. But Juwan Jennings was talking with the media on Friday and listen to what he said about coming back and as he looked ahead, this is it for for Juwan, his final season. Juwan talking about playing with this group of players for the final time at Tennessee in 2019. I just like being here with my team. Um, Cheney and I, um, just going out there, practice each day, just grinding with my teammates. Man, it's nothing like it. And I think that would probably be the most thing I miss after this year. Another topic here during the spring has been leadership. I think it should probably get more attention because I, I don't know if there was enough in 2018 just because it probably was not natural for a lot of guys to step into a leadership position. Jeremy Pruitt said that he was the leader of Tennessee football, and you didn't have that many seniors on the team this past fall. You'll have more this year. Could, could Jawan Jennings be one of those guys on the offensive side? I don't know that he's a vocal leader, although I've seen him in practice show younger guys what they need to do on the practice field. But Juwan Jennings, can he emerge? I think uh, Daryl Taylor is a guy that they're hoping can be that on defense. Jerry Garantano absolutely needs to be one of those players. He's now in his fourth year in the program. He's a redshirt junior. He has about as much playing experience as anybody on the team. Daniel Batuli at linebacker. Will Ignat could be one of those guys. Can Nigel Warrior, can Bryce Thompson or Elante Taylor, guys who can lead the way on the practice field, that's something that Jeremy Pruitt and his coaching staff have to be looking for. And then Tennessee needs somebody on the lines of scrimmage to step forward. With the offensive line, I don't know that there's an obvious starter to point to. Brandon Kennedy maybe can be a leader, but he's only been in the program for a year, and he's only played one game for Tennessee because of the torn ACL. Somebody can step up there. Trey Smith would be an answer. He's just unfortunately not practicing right now. He's present. I think he does bring leadership qualities to Tennessee's football team but there's a difference in guys on the field and guys who are not able to participate right now and Trey is still working through trying to be able to play football again so if he's back he's obviously on that list he's maybe number one it's just that he's not available right now so that'll be a storyline to pay attention to over the next few weeks with spring practice as well. Tennessee has practiced twice. That means there are only 12 practices to go. It'll go very quickly before the spring game comes up, the orange and white game on April 13th at Neyland Stadium. Coming up in the final segment of the show, a quick Tennessee and NCAA tournament look, an awkward situation with LSU, and we might have the quote of the year already. I'll get to that coming up in the final segment of Locked on Vols. Your team every day. Remember, if you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward as well as Facebook.com slash Josh Ward. Send a question or comment into the show anytime. I'll get a mailbag segment in a little bit later this week. Questions and comments always appreciated right here on Locked on Vols. 
So right now, Tennessee is projected as a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. That is subject to change. Tennessee, I guess, could move back. But I think as long as Tennessee wins on Friday, it's in a good position to at least get a two-seed. If Tennessee wins Friday and then Saturday against Kentucky, then I think a one-seed is back on the table. Current projections have three ACC teams getting a one-seed. To me, that's still difficult to believe that it's going to happen. Now, with Duke, there is the Zion effect. Is he back this week? Does he play in the ACC tournament? If he comes back and Duke were to win the ACC tournament, then I think Duke's a one-seed. Would both North Carolina and Virginia be knocked off the one-seed line? I don't know. There's clearly the Zion wildcard, because if he had not missed games, then I don't think North Carolina probably is in that position. So you'd have two ACC teams on the one line. Virginia still is unbeaten against everybody not named Duke. At some point, Duke does have to answer for the losses, I would say. I know that there is the Zion asterisk, but let's see how he plays when he comes back. Is he going to be in complete basketball shape? Is the team going to be back to what it was before he was injured? And those losses still have to count. Two losses to North Carolina and a loss at Virginia Tech. They count for something, I would think. So uh, let's see how Duke plays. Let's see how the ACC tournament plays out this week. Gonzaga is the other one seed I probably should have mentioned there. Tennessee and Kentucky are battling each other for the right to be a one seed, I would say. Uh, That's something to pay attention to. And then the LSU factor in this is very difficult to read because this past weekend, Will Wade was suspended for the Vanderbilt game. What happens there? It's difficult to believe that he will be back as LSU's basketball coach. Javante Smart, what happens with him? He's out there helping cut down nets while his name is reportedly one that comes up in the wiretap conversation. And can LSU avoid these distractions? It's one thing to go out and beat Vanderbilt, which went winless in SEC play. What an awful season that was for the Commodores. It's another to then turn around after several days of this conversation, your basketball coach having... Uh, the suspension, questions around Javante Smart. And then uh, for the tournament, you got to play every day. It's not just one game at home against Vandy. It's in a, on a neutral court against higher-level teams. So is LSU even there on Sunday? If LSU wins out, could it be a one seed? I'd say that's still difficult to believe, but could it knock Tennessee off the two line? I mean, that's something that I think would be brought up, especially if Kentucky were to win on Saturday. I don't know how it's going to play out, but Tennessee is in a position where I would say it still controls its own destiny, and that's the most important thing. So that's going to be a big focus this week is what happens in the SEC tournament, but with all these conference tournaments, how does it affect Tennessee seeding in the NCAA tournament? A couple of other notes before I go. We might have the quote of the year. We absolutely have a candidate from Tennessee baseball coach Tony Vitello. The baseball team lost its first game of the season on Sunday but did run its record to 15-0 and with two wins in the Friday and Saturday games against Fresno State. There was actually a carryover to Sunday. But I saw this quote from Jordan Kramer of WATE-TV in Knoxville. Tony Vitello said to Fresno State's coach, quote, coach your own team, meat stick. So there was a situation between the two teams. Coach your own team, meat stick, was what Tony Vitello yelled to the other side. That's a quote of the year candidate, and I'm going to try to work in uh, meat stick in some way if I argue with Will West on Monday's show on Sports 180. Hopefully there's no FCC violation on that one. And then also the Lady Vols, they were crushed by Mississippi State on Friday. They have to wait a full week to find out what their NCAA tournament 
situation will be. Will the Lady Vols be in or out? My guess is that they're in, but it's no doubt been a disappointing season for Tennessee. Even if the Lady Vols get into the NCAA tournament, it's difficult to believe they go on a deep run, but if they're there, they'll have a chance to try to finish off on a strong note after a really disappointing run through SEC play. So there's a lot going on with SEC sports, Tennessee basketball. You'll hear from Rick Barnes on tomorrow's show. Tennessee football will be back on the practice field today. I'll have a report on that for you on tomorrow's show as well. Five days a week covering what's going on with Tennessee. It's Locked On Vols. My name's Josh Ward. Thanks for being here today, and I'll see you tomorrow.